Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Speaking of brothers, we have brothers and sisters here for a first. It's a Racer Roundtable, Racer Magazine, Racer.com. I have our friend Chris Medland, our delightful Formula One reporter, even more delightful, sorry to say that, Chris, but the internet voted, the even more delightful Kelly Crandall, her NASCAR reporting feeds everything that we do on Racer. We are stuck in, in our respective bunkers. Figured it might be interesting, at least, to share since we connect with so many people in the sport, team owners, drivers, mechanics, on down. Try and share what this COVID-19 lockdown has been like, experiencing it firsthand. I figured, Chris, you might be the best one to start with, since among the three of us, you were a part of where this really tipped off down under Australian Grand Prix. What was it like getting ready to go to a race where you knew that region in general was the first major area having a breakout of this virus? And then tell us about how this really ran through the paddock and set the tone for many postponements and cancellations that have followed throughout the sport. Yeah, it was a bit strange, to be honest. I mean, Australia itself was pretty uh, quiet in terms of cases and things but uh, Italy was already sort of going into a state of lockdown and they were having trouble so uh, there'd been some doubts before but it was bizarre I want to say it was Wednesday so the day before official media day so the day before I think really kicks off uh, there was um, confirmation from Haas and McLaren that they had some team members that were being tested because there was a chance that um, there was some symptoms being shown and they were just being, they said being safe. But it was at that point that the penny really dropped where you realised if one of those results comes back positive, this whole show falls apart. It's that precarious. And that was the moment where it went from being, oh, it's, it's a bit risky to this is so unlikely to come off. Uh, and you were on the other side of the world. So it was pretty bizarre, to be honest. Uh, we went through Thursday kind of as normal with people asking questions about um, health rather than racing. And uh, only Lewis Hamilton really speaking out. And, and when Lewis said what he really felt, and you knew other people felt it but weren't feeling a position of strength to say it, uh, I think everyone then was like, yeah, good on Lewis, but also, you know, what the hell are we doing here? And uh, yeah, fell apart very quickly. We got confirmation Thursday night that McLaren were pulling out. That instantly meant that the race wasn't going ahead going to go ahead you knew it meant that the teams themselves all talking together uh knew that was really how it was going to end up but no one wanted to be the uh, official outlet to say or the sort of official organization to say no race is cancelled because it would cost them millions and millions of dollars so it was only 12 hours it was 12 very surreal hours overnight when i didn't go to bed um waiting for what should have been confirmation that took a lot longer to come but yeah it was bizarre and then everyone just flocked back to the circuit to do a press conference when it was cancelled even though they were saying we're not we're not going to race because we don't want to spread this virus so um yeah very very strange situation and uh thoughts very quickly for everyone turned to get home and self-isolate and um it moved very quickly from there. It's only, you know, the, the morning I should have been getting up to cover the race and I had been out in Australia to do it, I was waking up in London. So, um, yeah, it was a, a really surreal kind of situation because you, you really don't expect to ever be in it like that where you have to rush home. And we have you in the bunker, definitely. Uh, we're doing our best to get the strongest signal possible, but you uh, beneath that six feet of lead, clearly that's keeping you safe. Kelly, on your side, knowing that NASCAR is such a large institution it's more than the three touring series it reaches down to grassroots saturday night you know short track racing and so on this is a big decision for any organization to make 
I'd say NASCAR, though, possibly the biggest. What did you see and feel from that group in their willingness to say, we need to slow down, we might need to pause and cancel? And did anyone emerge that you saw that was NASCAR's equivalent on the driver side or team owner side of a Lewis Hamilton to really speak for the the masses within the the paddock and say this is not the time to continue racing yeah you know it's interesting that you asked that because i kind of felt like it was a little bit of the opposite because you know chris talking about what was happening down in australia you know at that same time that thursday you know teams media were all getting ready to travel to atlanta or should be in atlanta and you start seeing all these other sports leagues shut down or or postpone, whatever it may be, you know, we're watching what F1 is doing because they were out there from the start of, you know, again, because like Chris said, it was kind of a hotbed down there. So I kind of felt like NASCAR was a little bit slow in a, in their response. Um, it was very quiet at first because again, you know, as Thursday is developing, you know, I'm sitting here and then we're waiting to hear what's going to happen. And the only thing that we kept hearing was, well, they're going to change the schedule and we're not going to have fans and we're only going to, uh, you know, then it was the media availabilities. We're going to be cut down. There's going to be no face to face. So it, I again, I kind of felt like we were a little bit slower in that regard of really trying to be proactive where it felt like NASCAR really wanted to race. They wanted to get all three of those series on track in Atlanta. And it wasn't until Friday. I mean, Friday morning when we woke up, there was still like, we were still going racing. Like we, we were still going to put cars (laughs) and trucks on, on the track Friday morning. And then like, by 10 a.m., suddenly I'm getting text messages and we're starting to hear, oh, wait a minute, we might be changing things again. We might just be going to a one-day show. We might just be doing qualifying and no racing. And then by, I think it was, what, noon or whatever time it was when they finally decided to make the announcement, then we shut everything down. So I, I just, I'm not trying to criticize them, but again, I kind of felt like we were a little bit slow in our response. Um, I felt like they really wanted to race. They were trying to race, but they were trying to do it the right way because I think they understood at this point, this is a very serious thing that's happening and it was developing quickly. And then, you know, we're not going to have fans. We want to be safe. And then I think once F1 happened and I think once the rumblings of what IndyCar might start doing and you're seeing and the NHL and MLB and everybody else literally come to a halt. I think that's when NASCAR finally said, okay, we can't do this. Um, And then the second part of your question of like who was out there and and speaking again, it was very quiet. It was because nobody knew what happened uh, or what was going to happen. And from what I understand, NASCAR was constantly changing their minds. So nobody really knew what to think or what to, I mean, again, we had teams flying in Friday morning who were at the airport who landed and turned around and went back home. It it was, it's a very, it was a very crazy situation when we started this about two weeks ago. So the real gem that I have heard and Chris, maybe you can share some of this. I don't think you can name any of the team principals, without fear of drone strike. Although again, your, your bunker is probably going to withstand the impact. If we want to talk about clusters, how the Australian Grand Prix was handled in terms of this virus on and off votes, uh, disconnects, 
various people in charge of the event from F1 to the promoters to local health leaders, this seemed like, well, how's this? I don't know if season three of drive to survive, uh, was allowed in to film this, but if they were, it's going to win an Emmy, a Grammy, uh, it's going to get the people's choice award. This seemed like the absolute vacuum of leadership of all, at least of all time in the modern era of formula one. Can you share with folks how ugly if NASCAR took too long, just during a single event, it sounds like it took about a year for F1 to get its head straight on how to react within 48 hours. Yeah, I was pretty critical at the time because there were some extenuating circumstances, things like Chase Carey had gone to Vietnam and was coming back um, or flying in from Vietnam to Australia. So he was actually on a plane at the time they needed to make a decision. But Ross Braun was there. And I'm not sure he wanted to fully make a decision or uh, finalize anything until Chase landed. But the problem was, it was clearly uh, one of the scenarios that could come up. It was the worst case scenario was someone in the paddock gets um, test positive and we have to call the race off. Not the scenario you're hoping will happen, but definitely one you should plan for. So the second it happened, McLaren had planned for it. They thought if one of our team members uh, is unwell, then straight away we're out. And I'm, I'm not certain, but I believe they might even have had that stance if it had been another team. It was just that they weren't going to risk it because the paddock's such a tight place. It's the same, you know, in IndyCar and in NASCAR. You guys will um, be able to back me up. You know, people are working in such close proximity and long hours. Um, and hygiene isn't, you know, at the top of the list sometimes uh, in a pits or paddock situation. So it's so easy for something to spread in that situation that, McLaren were like, no, we're definitely out straight away. And uh, Ferrari made the exact same call. That's why Sebastian Vettel was on the plane home at 6 a.m. on Friday morning, even though the announcement, the race was off, didn't come for another like five hours. Um, so the uh, teams knew what they were going to do in this situation, but F1 didn't seem to have prepared for it. And they hadn't spoken with the race organizers. And you had local government that were trying to say everything was fine because Australia was pretty quiet at that time in terms of cases or anything like that. They went ahead with their opening weekend of, of football and, um, they were trying to get other events on. I think I'm not sure if they've actually f- called off their uh, their Aussie Rules season yet, um, but they certainly went ahead with their opening weekend. So they, they were still holding events and trying to think everything would be okay. But um, someone needed to show some leadership. Nobody did, and nobody had planned for this scenario. So even if one way F1 spins it is it took them 12 hours from the announcement of the uh, McLaren pullout and the positive test to the race being called off but it should have been 12 minutes they should have known exactly what they were going to do in that scenario and had a response ready and that's where they were really really lacking kelly i'd love if you could share with us the conversations you have and continue to hold with members of the paddock the drivers again everyone involved with the sport we started doing these lockdown diaries i think what the monday the day after the saint Pete grand prix And this just seems like we have a lot of folks in our beloved sport who are handling this shutdown in non-uniform ways. I guess that's nothing to be unexpected. That's human nature. We're not all going to react to this the same way, but I guess we're, we're people now who seemingly look down at our phones every 30 seconds to distract us from something or catch our attention The average human being today is just accustomed to constant, constant input. 
the absence of racing, the absence of routine played out in some very different ways. What have you seen among folks in NASCAR, some who might be struggling with a lack of something to do, sheltering in place? Maybe others who, I don't know, are saying, boy, I've just caught up on 10 years of of sleep. (laughs) You know, not thank goodness for the destruction of the virus, but this has given me an opportunity for some downtime that I really needed. What are you hearing in your end? Yeah, that's a really good question. I have to say you had a really good idea in starting these diaries because I think from my perspective, not not only for the fans, but myself included, it's helped kind of understand how major teams and major businesses are trying to figure this out, you know, how they are, how they are impacted by something that is global. So, you know, when I started doing these, the first couple you know, they're smaller teams. You know, those are the guys who've been really willing to chat and uh, are always good if you need them for something. So, you know, I started with a go fast racing and then moved on to a front row and then a Richard Petty Motorsports, which was published today as we're talking. And the biggest thing that that seems to come through from the smaller teams is, um, you know, we're taking necessary precautions and making sure we're keeping people safe, maybe, you know, limiting the people that we already have and and doing all of that. But yes, yeah, some of them are finding that this is a good time to get caught up, especially if you're a smaller team. Uh, you know, somebody like a front row, Jerry Freeze, their general manager said, look, we were burning the midnight oil with that West Coast swing. That is very, very hard to do in NASCAR. I know a lot of people think it's really cool, but on the teams, it is very, very tough after you spend almost two weeks in Daytona and then your cars are pretty much already have to be done. Sure. Yeah. Before you leave for Daytona. So you're going to the West coast, you're not sending people back. You're, you know, it's a lot on those teams. So for somebody like front row, they said, you know, we're using this time to really try to get caught up. If we saw trends in those first couple races, we now have the time to build those into our race cars to again, just get caught up. Uh, You know, go fast is kind of doing the same thing, just trying to prepare as best they can so that when we do go back racing, it won't be as hard on them to keep their fleet up to date and ready to go. Um, what makes it difficult, and not just in NASCAR, but I'm sure for, for you and IndyCar, IMSA, for Chris over in F1, is you know when you don't know, at least in NASCAR, when you don't know what your schedule is going to be, these teams don't know what cars to be building. They don't know when they're going to need a short track car. They don't know when they're going to need their super speedway car. So that's a little difficult. Um, obviously, this is a very fluid situation, and certainly here in North Carolina, it's changing by the day as far as what counties are going into stay-at-home orders, which uh, we've had a few of those just this week, which now affects some of our race teams, which affects some of the bigger teams like a Joe Gibbs Racing, a Hendrick Motorsports, uh, a Roush Fenway Racing. All, all of those shops are located in places that are under stay-at-home orders. So some of them were already closed just on their own volition to try and keep their employees safe, but now they know they can't come back for a certain amount of time. So again, yeah, some of them are keeping this opportunity to get caught up. Uh, Other ones are are trying to stay as prepared as possible. Um, You know, I I have one story that that's coming out, like from a spotter perspective, I talked to Clint Boyer spotter and he said, look, while, you know, my spotter friends may have nothing to do, uh, he he also runs a business. So he's able to, to stay busy and doing that. So yeah, it just, it's different for everybody. Again, I think, um, if you're in places where you have to stay at home, 
you're trying to do what you can at home, but you can't build race cars from home. So um, when we get a schedule and we know when we're going to race, go race again, it's going to be a mad thrash for a lot of these teams to try and get prepared. I just want to pick up on something you said there, Kelly, actually, and open up to you, Marshall. The, in F1, we're kind of lucky uh, in the, the way that everyone's located and the way the sports worked um, with, with the 10 teams. They've moved the mandatory shutdown early, so everyone right now is have, is taking a three-week um, shutdown where they can't be working on cars or development or anything like that uh, to try and keep a level playing field. But as you've mentioned, when there's different counties that are now in, enacting these stay-at-home orders, um is NASCAR doing anything to try and make sure that a team that's lucky enough not to be under that sort of pressure isn't able to gain an advantage over another? And similarly, uh, Marshall, are you seeing that there's a big difference in, in any IndyCar teams or um, or any racing teams actually over there, talking IMSA as well, um, that maybe are finding themselves much more constrained than some of their rivals? I can just throw in here quickly, and this would fall in your region as well, Kelly. I actually... Sp- sent a note raising this question to IndyCar and have yet to hear back, but it was on this exact subject. Hey, in California, there's a shelter at home in Indiana, in Michigan, in Ohio, and in, uh, where else? Iowa, uh, I believe, uh, Illinois. That has covered every IndyCar team except for Texas with AJ Foyt Racing and Team Penske in North Carolina. Well, Andretti Autosport, which is the team, the IndyCar's largest uh, entrant with five full-time cars, by decree, they are unable to send their employees into work. They had put in place a 10-person rotation So due to the social distancing needs, they'd already downsized their workforce turning up each day to the shop. But as of Wednesday, they are no longer allowed to go in and do their thing. That's not the case, though, for the team in Texas and in North Carolina. Now, we have since learned that the Indy 500 has been moved from May 24th to August 23rd. Less of a concern about advantages. But if we are talking what would be our first event, unless that gets moved, which we fully expect it to be moved, which is Detroit opening the season on May 30th and 31st, Texas Motor Speedway right after that on June 6th. In theory, there's a couple teams that are able to uh, send in as many folks as they want. They should, we know, limit it to 10, as we've been told. But nonetheless, there are some teams who, in theory, could be well ahead of the curve when we go back to racing. Haven't heard back from IndyCar if they were going to send out a internal decree saying, wrench is down. <laughs> Everybody, do you know, you're unable to work on the cars. Engineering staff cannot work. Now, granted, and this is would be a great question if you know the answer. I don't on this end, Kelly. I don't know if IndyCar as a series has the power legal or otherwise, to tell its teams what they can or cannot do with their employees and the items that they own uh, at their shop. Uh, I know that they can control what they do out of motor racing circuit under IndyCar sanction, but I don't know if there's a blanket ability for them to tell all teams, even if they aren't under a a shelter-at-home decree, to put their wrenches down. What have you heard on your end? 
that's a great point. And I wonder if that's why maybe in NASCAR we haven't heard that. Because, again, it seems like, you know, some of the smaller teams are able to stay working and some of the bigger teams, they haven't been. They've either shut their shop down or, again, as we talked about, they're in that stay-at-home uh, policy. So we haven't heard anything from NASCAR. The only thing that they have done was about a day or so after – or maybe it was the day of when they made the announcement of, you know, we're postponing uh, five more races. There was also a rules bulletin that went out that they have banned all testing. So, uh, you know, drivers can't go to the simulators, uh, wind tunnel testing. You can no longer do anything along those lines when it comes to preparing your race cars. They've banned that. Uh, pretty much indefinitely um, because, again, they don't – they did mention in there they don't want people um, to kind of get an advantage, to get the upper hand, but they haven't outright come out and said, okay, we're shutting everybody down. And to your point, Marshall, I think uh, – I didn't even think of it like that. Maybe it is something to where you can't tell them what they can and can't do with their own equipment, their own race shop. You can tell them what they can't do when it comes to – using you know wind tunnels and stuff that they don't own maybe but i think that's probably a good point so no they don't they haven't implemented any of that they've just gone and taken the step to where you know drivers can't go to simulators you can't be running wind tunnels you can't be doing all that testing the only testing they are allowing is for next gen which is supposed to be the 2021 car but if these race shops are shut down or if people aren't working uh, and you're not testing the car because you can't go to the racetrack, um, I don't think there's probably, from what I understand, there's not a whole lot of development that is going on with that race car either. So, again, it seems like it's more of the teams taking those steps of what they do and don't want to do as far as working. But uh, NASCAR has not come out and said any of that. They've more just said, hey, don't go test, don't do this. Um but they haven't put anything else in place. And they also haven't. One of the things I saw, Marshall, you, I, I would love for you to touch on if you could, could is NASCAR hasn't come out uh, at the, or they wouldn't provide any specifics on how they may help teams like financially during this. And I know that um, in IndyCar, uh, you guys have kind of touched on that a little bit. I think Roger Penske has come out and said there might be some programs in place. But NASCAR, if NASCAR is going to do that, they haven't uh, been very – uh, public with it and they haven't wanted they told us they don't want to release any of that information either so again it's it's kind of uh it's kind of quiet over here in nascar i envy you guys a little bit in indycar and f1 that uh when your uh, officials come out and have all this stuff but we're kind of just uh taking it day by day over here yeah there's some definite cultural differences being felt across the organizations i'll just throw in one item as well on the penske topic the other note in my inquiry to IndyCar on the subject was, so you guys understand how many of the folks in the paddock and even fans are extremely concerned prior to the coronavirus about conflicts of interest, about Roger Penske now owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway, NTT IndyCar Series. His big, powerful championship winning team that took home both the title last year and the Indy 500 is able to work on their cars because there's nothing on a statewide level stopping them. And yet pretty much all their rivals barring Foyt, which unfortunately they haven't been a front running team for a while. They can't. So that was the other note. 
are you aware? And B, are you also, you guys do know that there are a lot of folks who are concerned about Penske having an advantage. The only advantage here is happens to be in a state that has not shut things down. But do you guys realize you might not want to let this thing go too far? Because I, I bet the rest of your teams are going to raise heck if you don't step in. So again, I'm hoping to hear back on that. On the financial front, IndyCar is IndyCar is in a place where there's a lot of effort made to present feelings and posturings of strength on the financial front where, if we're very honest, it does not exist in about half the teams. Uh, I'd say there are far too many teams going into this season who do not have their full budget in place for the year or having to step out on faith that they would find it as the year goes on with IndyCar making up about a sixth, fifth to a sixth of each annual budget for each entry with the roughly million dollars they pay out in the leader circle program. That's a huge help. So Roger and company have said, yes, we're going to make those payments, even though we're not racing just to try and help you out that way. We have heard though, uh, I know the number, I won't mention the number, and this is where I wanted to pivot to Chris and also for you, Kelly, to weigh in here as we start to wind down. We'll probably get into this deeper on our next roundtable, provided people don't send in notes saying, don't ever do those again. What a horrible idea. Um, there are teams in IndyCar that have just asked their staff and management top down to take a fairly decent pay cut. Um, I, I will refrain from mentioning the percentages that I've heard that have been more or less the same, but it, it's a real number. It's not single digit. It's double digit. I think we're going to hear about that or have teams try and do their best to hide the fact that they are, we're getting into a phase just a couple weeks into this shutdown and, or the impact of the coronavirus. We're already at a phase where teams are having to get aggressive with their finances. I'm hearing and throughout the industry, I think by the time we speak next week, we're going to have some friends and colleagues in the sport, whether they are reporters, photographers, spotters, uh, flying crew people and whatnot, chefs and PR reps. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of posts from our friends and colleagues on social media saying, Hey, if you know of anything, please reach out because I just lost my job. I've already heard that from a number of folks, but I think this is going to start ramping up. Chris, what, uh, what do you think we might hear on the Formula One side? And maybe include some of the, the feeder series and the you know, independent businesses that support Formula One. Where do we think this, this financial crunch might start having some unfortunate wreckage? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned the suppliers, actually, or the, the people that support the teams. They're the ones that I think are really going to be struggling because there's no demand for them to supply stuff while we're not racing. And, and they'll probably be reliant on the bigger series and that turnover to survive. But for the teams themselves, they're, they're helped right now by a number of steps that the sport's taken. Uh, the first one being that mandatory shutdown. It's been extended to three weeks because a two-week window wasn't really going to be particularly helpful it was clear that we were going to be shut down as a as a country basically in the uk we're pretty much in lockdown right now um so people aren't able to go and go and work uh, at the factories and they instead of trying to find a way of 
getting around those regulations if you just sort of adhere to them then they thought right we'll make this a mandatory shutdown period um that freed up august as well for more races so hopefully there'll be more income that way because it's one of the biggest uh, incomes that each team get the uh, um, revenues from f1 which those revenues are from race hosting fees so that's why we've had the sort of rejigging to try and get as many races crammed into the calendar as we can whenever we can restart uh, so the teams are cutting their overheads right now they've then said that these cars will be used next year and they're going to actually um, freeze certain components so teams won't spend money on development therefore cutting another big expenditure and and the biggest one was next year's regulations that we were going to bring in were going to be massively different uh, the cars were going to be so so different it was a huge challenge uh, and it was an expensive challenge and suddenly with no racing going on and no income from that teams just couldn't afford to be working on it um even if they physically could get into their factories to do it so uh, the sport pushed those back by 12 months to just save a wedge of cash there and hopefully most teams will then have been set up in a way that they were expecting that expenditure this year. And now they don't have that. They might be able to sort of um, make their way through these kind of uh, rough waters. But for some of the smaller teams, they're really going to be struggling. A team like Williams, you know, they were going to be looking for investment regardless of this situation. You know, that was a team that wanted to get more competitive, need the bigger budget. And to be able to compete um, was going to be speaking to investors. So that will just ramp up that need. And I think there's there's definitely a danger that some of the smaller teams um, will struggle if this goes on too long. I think what F1's hoping is that this three-week period we're now in of, of shutdown, I think basically every team's gone into mandatory shutdown now. Some were going to do it on this coming Monday, but uh, with the UK going into lockdown, I think they've all just uh, accelerated that. Um, they're hoping that by the end of those three weeks, there's clarity on when things might improve or when we can start looking at going racing again. Like you say, I mean, you've got the IndyCar calendar come out already that's been revised. Might not have Detroit, but you do have kind of a, a number of start points there that they're realistically aiming for. And if F1 can have a clearer vision of that, then they might be able to, to make their way through. But I, I do think the next month is absolutely crucial. Uh, otherwise, there's every chance that a team or two could, could really hit trouble. Kelly, knowing that Formula One is so heavily manufacturer-driven, we have some of the world's great automotive brands participating, funneling quadrillions of dollars into things. There's also just ridiculous major international brands involved as well. Not saying it's easy for the paddock that Chris covers, but the amount of money dedicated to Formula One makes me think while they will need to be efficient with their expenditures during the shutdown, it's cash rich. They should, by and large, be able to survive. Share some thoughts about NASCAR as we close with this as our final topic for the week. We obviously have three auto manufacturers involved, but we know that the majority of the teams are having to work harder than ever just to get to Daytona with sponsors to go and compete. What are you hearing? What's your sense on health and stability for a sport that doesn't have big giant auto manufacturers spending zillions of dollars with individual teams? What are your thoughts there? Because it's a very different financial model that worries me about its ability to feed and sustain those while we have no racing. Yeah, it's it's really, really tough right now. Um, it's already started for some teams to where they've had to either lay people off or furlough them. Um, 
you know, it, none of that, of course, is, is public of what teams are doing what, but you hear it a little bit. It's out there. Um, it's and it's natural. Um, you know, you t- again, you take somebody like a front row because Jerry Freeze was really awesome in providing that insight. And he said, you know, if you're not racing, um, you're not getting I think it was Jerry Freeze. All these stories are running together. But one of <laughs> one of the, the diaries that I've done said, if you're not racing, we're not getting TV money. We're not getting charter money. Um, and they might be, you know, some teams might be set up to where they are getting their sponsorship money, but they don't know if that sponsorship money is going to be able to carry them through however long this lasts when they have bills to pay. You know, they still have to pay engine bills that are coming in and they still have to pay tire bills that might be coming in. So it's already starting with some teams. It's very, very difficult, of course, in the lower divisions like Truck and Xfinity, where there's already not a ton of money down there. Um, so it's it's starting from that regard of how tough this is going to be for for people to either stay in work or, uh, you know, how far out can teams pay their employees, uh, you know, depending on how long this goes on. Um, so yeah, I mean, if we're not racing, they're not getting money. So it's going to be very, very tough. Um, you know, one of the other things that the, the the other part of the equation too is, you know, you mentioned manufacturers and you, and you mentioned, you know, Chris mentioned, of course, with F1, their, their car, um, that's something that I'm trying to work on right now when it comes to NASCAR with next gen, because, Again, you know, these teams are already struggling to either pay their employees or, or how they're going to get through this shutdown. And then when we go back racing, we know the schedule is going to be probably jam-packed. Um, so where do we stand on next gen? And before we jumped on our call, um, I was talking to David Wilson of Toyota, and he said we would prefer if NASCAR, like F1, pushed it for a year. Um, just because, again, when we go back racing, the industry is going to have to recover from so many different things that trying to put this next-gen project on top of it um, is going to be very, very tough. And, you know, unfortunately, there's already a lot of money invested in that. But again, there's no, if we're not racing, there's no money right now. Going, It's just, it, it's... <laughs> It's not a funny matter. I don't mean to laugh. It's just it's so complicated because, again, you mentioned this money aspect and these teams are really going to be struggling over, you know, this next. We know at least for this next month, I think going back racing for us at Martinsville is very optimistic at this point. And I know that there's teams that are very concerned that if we start going longer than Martinsville, it's just going to get even tougher uh, financially and everything else. So there's a lot of people in NASCAR that are praying we can get back racing sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I think people have got to look at it in the context of the wider world. Like it's not just the teams, but the teams are all businesses, the sports are all businesses, but then, yeah, the kind of, rings around them like ourselves as journalists media photographers right now have nothing to go and shoot so they have no way of income and it just ripples out further and further and everyone's facing similar pressures so it's not that we're trying to say oh you know the poor teams or or the poor sport not at all i think some people certainly from a formula one point of view um i've had a few questions come in i'm actually going to bring up a twitter question because i asked for a load on that before we started this and we've had loads in and we don't have time for them all but um a lot of people on Twitter kept saying, why don't we just cancel the 2020 season for now and just 
put all focus on being ready in 2021. I'm like, well, these are businesses. These need this income to survive. Otherwise, these teams won't be here. So it is, a, in a sense, it's a grave situation. It's it's the same as it is globally. It's, you've got to look at it like any other business. Uh, and and everyone needs their business income to be able to continue. But um, that is going to segue me onto the one question. It was actually the first question that came in. I put it on Twitter that I was going to be on with you guys doing this chat and ask for any questions in case we get a chance. I warned people I might ignore them. I'm going to ignore a bunch of people, but um, maybe oh, we'll use them in a future, yeah, future they one. Resubmit but, uh, those for next week, and hopefully we can get to yeah. them. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of them so no one else has to tweet me twice. But uh, the, the first question that came in was a good one. It said, what will be the biggest thing the motorsport world in general will take from this situation? Um, and I'm going to throw that to you, Marshall, first, because I haven't even thought of my answer yet. Oh, you bleepity bleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually, I think that actually points towards where I wanted to close, not on a, a topical thing, but just a hashtag me personally front. Mm-hmm. We here on a regular basis, you guys have the best job in the world. You get to go to races and granted, whether it's on the media side, the driving side, whatever it is for those who get to work in motor racing, you have the best job. You get to live the fantasy and I'd do anything to be able to have your job. And there's always a bit of blushing and like, I know this is amazing. I don't know why people are stupid enough to pay me to do this, but I'll keep showing up if they ask. But you just sound like Peter Griffin then. Well, uh, (laughs) I'm on the wrong coast for the accent, but yeah, that would be brilliant. But the thing that, that has really stood out and it, it didn't just occur with the coronavirus. I try and stay, have my head in this place at all times. But uh, the thing that really stands out is we are no different than anyone, even though folks might think that we you know, are, are very fortunate to be able to work in motor racing, which we are. But the truth is what we get to do is fantasy stuff. We get to work a job that despite being extremely hard and I, I, I've never bought the you know, if you get to do the thing that you love, then you never work a day in your life. Tell me that after about 18, an 18 hour day, and we might have a disagreement, but this just, I think further drives home the fact that while we are so fortunate to do what we do and we love motor racing, man, the stuff we're talking about here is so disposable. It, it, racing is a distraction. Racing is a sport. We love it. We've made lives out of it. We wake up every day trying to feed fans content in the absence of real racing. We, we're trying to pack racer with everything to distract or amuse folks every day. But man, whatever hardships we might be having in this fantasy world that we work in, it is nothing compared to name the person in the service industry, the bartender who can no longer tend bar, no longer receive tips, probably isn't a highly salaried person to begin with. Who knows if they have health benefits? Work on down the line. The, the, we're reading about General Motors shutting down production and Ford's doing this. Go to the big box stores that are reducing hours and just everyone all the folks who might be listening to this who dedicate untold hours per year watching races going to live races like i 
I rarely feel sorry for myself. I sure as heck don't feel sorry for myself or my wife right now because we get to live the fantasy pretty much every day, even when times are hard. It's the folks on the other end we're trying to connect with and amuse or make their lives a little bit better. This has just served as a reminder that any complaining or or any, oh, woe is me sentiment that I hear from folks in our industry, uh, it's real. I'm not dismissing it, but uh, the person who's currently wondering how they're going to pay rent on April 1st, uh, there's no fool's day. It's a pretty serious concern, and they're having to do real serious work to try and figure out how they're going to pay their bills. So that's the thing that stands out with me. We're fortunate. We're so fortunate. The tales we're telling, real. These all real people in motor racing encountering the same problems, but I just don't think of what we're dealing with in a normal situation as being really something to get too complaining and vocal about when others are having to genuinely bust their behinds just to make a living. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, th- I think when we said about trying to be positive through all this, because like you say, we, we get to do some pretty damn cool jobs and racing is, is great fun. I, I think as a overall sort of uh, industry and world, what it needs to look at trying to do moving forward is protect itself as much as it can from a similar situation, which isn't going to be easy um, because you can't really diversify that much. Um, but, from something that's probably more F1 specific compared to maybe some other industries is to make itself as relevant as it can possibly be and make sure that relevancy is clear and felt so that if you get this similar situation again, there's no real doubt that uh, car manufacturers or other teams, whatever will be desperate to start up again when the chance comes. If you could, if if you are disposable, if there's a question mark about, do we really need to be spending that money doing that? Uh, Then this is going to be far more damaging than if, say a Mercedes goes, you know, absolutely Formula One is crucial to us. Like we'll keep uh, putting the funds in to get it through this tough time because we're going to need it when it comes back. So I think that's certainly from an F1 perspective where it's going to have to make sure that it, it comes out of this and realizes where it was probably a bit exposed and has to be as relevant as possible. I think you both hit it right on the head. Is it's just something with like this makes it, it's what stands out is it makes you realize that we're not it's not about complaining about the race teams but it's again it's everybody that it trickles down to there's so many people that these race teams employ the race tracks employ the vendors the spotters the you guys hit on it it's just all those people that you have to keep in mind that something like this it is so it, it hit it hits hard so i think that's you know i can't really add anything to that because you both did a great job it's just this is something that affects a lot of people in motorsports and it's not just worrying about when race cars are going to be on the racetrack throw one yeah, final true. i was just going to throw one final thing out here and maybe this will be a pivot to where we open the conversation next week this morning i got a call from a friend old friend uh done pr for a lot of teams is now team principal and he has a a client there as we hear my cat rosie meowing and attacking things in the background (laughs) this is a normal podcast this would be an abnormal podcast of mine without cats raising hell behind me uh got a call from a friend who is starting to work with one of his clients and this will probably go live on racer on monday but they are working to assemble 
funds and donations and putting in money of their own to try and support some of the most at-risk members of our sport financially. Hi, Rose. Glad you like the conversation. Um, that is what they're wanting to do. Say, hey, we realize that the fly-in folks, you know, Kelly, we know how big of a part that is in NASCAR with, you know, flying over the wall crew and such, where these folks are really requ- require this income to get by. And without it, week after week, their financial world can collapse. And so for what this one friend and his rather wealthy client is wanting to do, it's to create an initiative where folks can hopefully receive some donations to get by. Have either of you heard anything about that on your end in the sports that you cover? And if not, uh, maybe this will be a little bit of a call to action. Hopefully we can speak about more next week and maybe learn that others are deciding to do the same. Um, not something directly on F1, but um, your good friend from um, Daily Sports Car, um, Graham Goodwin just putting some content up and trying to bring people together in terms of um, where freelancers or other people just uh, generally within the motorsport world might need work, basically giving them the chance to advertise themselves and um, be a bit of a a hub where people could go and kind of get in touch with each other in case they need anything. Um, More from a work perspective to try and keep people ticking over. But I thought that was a really good move Um, from, from the sports position of, you know, trying to keep things positive as well at the end is something that we ran uh, about an hour or so ago on racer uh, f1 the seven teams based in the uk are, are working together um just in the covid19 fight sort of thing the, the uk government asked for assistance in manufacturing medical devices to help treat patients uh specifically respiratory devices and ventilators and the teams are all working together f1 is then coordinating it so uh, the PR is kind of spread between them all, but um, they're looking at reverse engineering existing devices um, or supporting in sort of the scaling of production for existing ones. Uh, and then even the rapid design and prototype of any new devices, because they reckon they need an extra sort of 20,000 ventilators to deal with it over here. So um, there is good being done by the teams that has absolutely nothing to do with their normal work as well. Um, and by the sport, which which has been good to see. So in that sense, I mean, that could be keeping people in jobs and keeping people in work because, you know, if, if the team was going to be shutting down effectively or furloughing people because they didn't need them to design uh, next year's car, they are finding ways of, of putting them to use for something much more pressing and, and important right now. That was a great topic I wanted to say for next week. So we're going to delve into that as well. I, I heard from an car race engineer who spent last weekend with his kids and wife firing up the sewing machine, making masks to deliver to a friend who works at a hospital and who said we're desperate shortage uh, and just on their own. This is a manufacturing facility. This is truly uh, a guy and his kids and his wife just in the kitchen saying we, I don't know how many we can do over two days, but we could be a solution. So that I love to hear. So we're going to talk more about that next week but kelly how about you heard anything on the how do we in the midst of financial crisis that could be negatively affecting teens maybe some of those teams or organizations saying maybe this is also a great time for us to help instead of just ask for help i haven't seen anything yet and i very well may have missed it just being buried in in other stuff that i've been working on but i haven't seen anything yet again it's 
things are changing daily here in North Carolina of what teams are able to do just as far as with their workshop. Um, so I will be interested to see now that, you know, more companies and sponsors and manufacturers get involved with how they can impact the community. If, you know, maybe that starts to, like you said, kind of is a call to action for teams, for drivers of what they can do. Um, I will say that after the iRacing event last week, I think Denny Hamlin was uh, was putting up money, which was then matched by uh, different entities around the sport for uh, people, I think, affected in Homestead because that's where the virtual race was. So I think as this goes on, I would not be surprised if more and more things start to develop to where, you know, can a team or a manufacturer um, create something to help or donate something, whatever it may be. Uh, but right now, I haven't seen too much of that. But again, I mean, we can, I'll definitely have to keep an eye out if we're going to, we can dig more into this next week for sure. Friends, thank you so much for taking some time. That is the awesome Kelly Crandall, the eh, kind of all right, Chris Medlin. We like you. We keep you around. Now, kidding aside, uh, the pal, pal that I refer to as Snoop Medley Med. Thanks for taking some time here <laughs> just to share some insights from this weird little corner of the sport that we occupy and trying to listen and tell stories and i don't know if anything we just said was of any value but uh we're probably going to try and do it again next week and see if there's more for us to bring to you here on eraser magazine and racer.com special the marshall pruitt podcast brought to you by cooper tires and the justice brothers <laughs>